Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fireside Poems. I'm Dr. J. Tomorrow, November 11th, is Veterans Day, and to honor veterans, I've chosen the St. Crispin's Day speech from Shakespeare's Henry V. Many of you know this speech, or at least know of it. It's the source of the title for the television miniseries Band of Brothers, and is quoted by one of the series' main characters in the final episode. Henry V tells the story of the Battle of Agincourt, which took place between English and French forces during the Hundred Years' War. The battle itself took place on October 25, 1415, which was also St. Crispin's Day, a Catholic feast day, which the young King Henry references as he speaks to his troops. It's otherwise unimportant. The battle was an English victory, perhaps the greatest in England's history until the Battle of Britain in the early days of the Second World War. The English forces were both outnumbered. Shakespeare uses the figure of five to one, consistent with historical estimates at the time, and exhausted, but nevertheless prevailed, making both Henry and all those who fought their national heroes Henry V is one of three plays Shakespeare wrote on this young hero king, who interests Shakespeare as representative of the transition from the medieval world to the modern world. We see this transition in the St. Crispin's Day speech, as Henry shifts from addressing the English knights and nobility to addressing the common men who will do most of the fighting, telling them that participation in the battle will gentle their condition, that is, give them the social respect until then reserved for gentlemen. They, commoner and noblemen alike, will be a band of brothers through all history. We sometimes forget that everything spoken in a Shakespearean play is spoken in a dramatic context. Rather than plunge right into the speech then, I'll back up to the beginning of the scene, the morning of the battle. A half-dozen noblemen come on stage, Gloucester and Bedford, King Henry's younger brothers, Exeter, his uncle, two earls, Salisbury and Westmoreland, and Erpingham, one of the military commanders. Henry himself is not with them. As one explains, he is reviewing the battle lines in preparation for the French attack. Also on stage, and this is the key to the scene and to the play, are common soldiers of the army under the command of Erpingham. Before the day is done, they will be the band of brothers with each other and with the king and nobles who lead them. Let's listen. Scene 3. Enter Gloucester, Bedford, Exeter, Erpingham with all his host, Salisbury, and Westmoreland. Gloucester. Where is the king? Bedford. The king himself is rode to view the battle lines. Westmoreland. Of fighting men, they have full threescore thousand. That is, the French have sixty thousand. Exeter. There's five to one. Besides, they all are fresh. Salisbury. God's arms strike with us. Tis a fearful odds. God by you, princes all, I'll to my charge. If we no more meet till we meet in heaven, 
then joyfully, my noble lord of Bedford, my dear lord Gloucester, and my good lord Exeter, and my kind kinsmen, warriors all, adieu, Bedford. Farewell, good Salisbury, and good luck go with thee, Exeter. Farewell, good lord, fight valiantly today, and yet I do thee wrong to mind thee of it, for thou art framed of the firm truth of valor. Salisbury exits. Bedford speaks after him. He is as full of valor as of kindness, princely in both. As Salisbury exits one side of the stage, the king enters from the other, unseen by those speaking. Westmoreland says, Oh, that we now had here but one ten thousand of those men in England that do no work today. And Henry speaks. What's he that wishes so, my cousin Westmoreland? No, my fair cousin, if we are marked to die, we are enough to do our country loss, and if to live, the fewer men, the greater share of honor. God's will, I pray thee wish not one man more. By Jove, I am not covetous for gold, nor care I who doth feed upon my cost. It yearns me not if men my garments wear. Such outward things dwell not in my desires. But if it be a sin to covet honor, I am the most offending soul alive. No faith, my cuz, wish not a man from England. God's peace, I would not lose so great an honor as one man more, methinks, would share from me for the best hope I have. Oh, do not wish one more. Rather proclaim it, Westmoreland, through my host, that he which hath no stomach to this fight, let him depart. His passport shall be made, and crowns for convoy put into his purse. We would not die in that man's company that fears his fellowship to die with us. This day is called the Feast of Crispin. He that outlives this day and comes safe home will stand a tiptoe when this day is named, and rouse him at the name of Crispin. He that shall see this day and live old age will yearly on the vigil feast his neighbors and say, Tomorrow is St. Crispin's Day. Then will he strip his sleeve and show his scars and say, These wounds I got on Crispin's Day. Old men forget, yea, all shall be forgot, but he'll remember with advantages what feats he did that day. Then shall our names, familiar in his mouth as household words, Harry the King, Bedford and Exeter, Warwick and Talbot, Salisbury and Gloucester, be in their flowing cups freshly remembered. This story shall the good man teach his son, and Crispin Crispian shall ne'er go by from this day to the ending of the world, but we in it shall be remembered. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers, for he today that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. Be he ne'er so vile, this day shall gentle his condition, and gentlemen in England now abed shall think themselves accursed they were not here, and hold their manhoods cheap whilst any speaks that fought with us upon St. Crispin's Day. The odds are fearful. 
The likest chance is that those about to fight on the king's side will die, as battlefield wounds then were usually fatal. The young king's task is to give his soldiers courage. He does so by the unlikely means of making them glad to be there, eager to return home victors. He displays no doubt that they will. Those gentlemen home about in England will be the losers. If anyone wishes they were there in England with them, they can go. Those who stay, though, will be a band of brothers, his brothers, but also each other's brothers, as veterans are today. Let's listen to this great speech again. I'll take it up with Westmoreland's discouraged remark that he wishes they had more men. Westmoreland. Oh, that we now had here but one ten thousand of those men in England that do no work today. Henry. What's he that wishes so, my cousin Westmoreland? No, my fair cousin, if we are marked to die, we are enough to do our country loss, and if to live, the fewer men the greater share of honor. God's will, I pray thee, wish not one man more. By Jove, I am not covetous for gold, nor care I who doth feed upon my cost. It yearns me not if men my garments wear. Such outward things dwell not in my desires. But if it be a sin to covet honor, I am the most offending soul alive. No faith, my cause, wish not a man from England. God's peace, I would not lose so great an honor as one man more, methinks, would share from me for the best hope I have. Oh, do not wish one more. Rather proclaim it, Westmoreland, through my host, that he which hath no stomach to this fight, let him depart. His passport shall be made and crowns for convoy put into his purse. We would not die in that man's company that fears his fellowship to die with us. This day is called the Feast of Crispin. He that outlives this day and comes safe home will stand a tiptoe when this day is named, and rouse him at the name of Crispin. He that shall see this day and live old age will yearly on the vigil feast his neighbors and say, Tomorrow is St. Crispin. Then will he strip his sleeve and show his scars and say, These wounds I had on Crispin's day. Old men forget. Yea, all shall be forgot, but he'll remember with advantages what feats he did that day. Then shall our names, familiar in his mouth as household words, Harry the King, Bedford and Exeter, Warwick and Talbot, Salisbury and Gloucester, be in their flowing cups freshly remembered. This story shall a good man teach his son, and Crispin Crispian shall ne'er go by from this day to the ending of the world, but we in it shall be remembered. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. For he today that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. Be he ne'er so vile, this day shall gentle his condition. And gentlemen in England now abed shall think themselves accursed they were not here and hold their manhoods cheap, whilst any speaks that fought with us upon St. Crispin's Day.
A year from now, I will have completed my readings of fireside poems. I hope at that time to move on to not one, but two podcasts alternating weeks, one reading from a wider range of American literature, allowing me to bring in a much greater diversity of voices, and one reading from Shakespeare, as I did today. I hope you'll continue with me then, but that's still a long ways off. For now, I hope you enjoyed this reading from Shakespeare's Henry V, and that you'll join me again next week for another episode of Fireside Poems. If you think others might enjoy Fireside Poems, please let them know about it through your social media so that they might join you and me each week by the Fireside.